Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. It's my weekly podcast where I speak to leading investment professionals. My name is Raik van Ikerk and my guest today is Nadir Tokhan. He's the co-chief investment officer at 27.4 Investment. Nadir, thank you for joining me. What a week. We saw the most significant decline in the uh, JCLC and many other world markets in decades, especially on Thursday. What is your interpretation of what happened? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Ray. Obviously, this has been an extremely volatile week. You know, if you look at basically the VIX index, what it's done, it's uh, surpassed the level seen in the global financial crisis. And as you correctly mentioned, we saw global markets having their biggest meltdown since the Black Monday sell-off of 1987. In fact, if you looked at the Canadian stock market, at one point was down the most since 1940, so down even more than Black Monday of 1987. So, you know, I think that uh, the bottom line here is that it's fairly evident that markets are reacting on the back of uh, extreme levels of fear. And in the absence of information, fear is going to reign supreme. So we know that COVID-19 is exceptionally contagious. We know that it's spread around the world. And we know that different governments around the world are taking various actions in terms of closing their borders, uh, cancelling various events. And that's expected to have some kind of an impact on, a knock-on impact onto earnings of a, a diverse grouping of companies. We've already seen airline shares reacting uh, probably the most severely, followed by hotel and lodging. With the travel bans being implemented, those are obviously the two most directly impacted. And we've already seen a number of airlines cancelling earnings guidances. We're seeing Wall Street analysts worrying about Boeing having to cut their dividends on the back of reduced demand for airplanes because a number of these airlines are now cancelling ghost routes, as we call it, or cancelling up to 20% of their routes. And we've already seen Lufthansa experiencing severe cash strain on the back of reduced demand for flying. So, you know, the but we, ultimately, Rick, we don't actually know what the full impact on diverse sets of company earnings are going to be. And in the absence of that information, we have two things happening. We have guys who own these equities saying, I don't know what the knock-on impact on earnings is going to be, given the starting multiple of these companies at the start of the year, or even heading into COVID-19, when the first news of COVID-19 broke uh, kind of through the course of, of, of the late January and going into February. They were saying, given that you know these guys aren't demanding multiple, multiples that need to deliver earnings growth. We don't know what the impact on earnings growth are going to be. We'd rather sit on the sidelines. And the guys who are already on the sidelines are saying, we don't know what the impact on earnings are going to be. We need more information before we get in. So we have the situation where the holders of these stocks are trying to get out and flooding the market with supply of stock. The buyers are not coming in and stepping in and creating a flaw on the price. And we've seen bouts of buyers coming in and trying to provide a flaw on the price when we've seen central banks coming in and cutting interest rates aggressively the Bank of England and the Fed by 50 basis points, the ECB not cutting rates but promising more liquidity. And that's ultimately resulted in there has been the occasional bout of buyers coming into the market and trying to mop us, try, trying to get into the market. And we've seen the odd bounce. I mean, on Tuesday, which seems like a lifetime ago, let's remember that the markets were up significantly on the back of potential central bank action and what they might do. So, unfortunately, Rake really trading on the back of sentiment and emotion at the moment. And we see the sellers are flooding the market with supply and the buyers are not taking a wait-and-see approach until those earnings announcements are released before they say we have sufficient information to say, well, actually, these levels are bargain levels because if we see earnings dramatically impacted, well, then all these equities have just kind of derated and correctly so. What are you doing as a fund manager in situations like this? 
Right. I think that the most important thing is you don't want to be exposed to exceptionally distressed companies in this environment. That's obviously easier said than done. I mean, Sasol is in the top 10 biggest shares on the JSE prior to these events. So not owning Sasol is obviously a very big call. But you want to stay out of companies that have exceptionally distressed balance sheets and that can't afford to have heightened amounts of uncertainty around their shares. I mean, we've seen exactly what's happened to Sasol. $8 billion of debt, the oil price is crashing, a lot of uncertainty, and the shares said something like 80% of its value in five trading days, you know. So those kind of situations can happen around distressed companies when you're in an information vacuum, and that's kind of what you want to avoid. In terms of getting back into the market, I think that starting the year, we run very attractive valuations on, well, you know, attractive valuations selectively on the JSC with, you know, companies who are still able to deliver growth and trading on multiple sub-10 times earnings. Those obviously presented an opportunity at the start of the year. We've seen those gapping down quite sharply but we are in an information vacuum. So those continue to offer compelling value, you know, and uh, you'll continue to hold on to those shares. I think the important thing as a fund manager is not to panic. We're certainly not doing that. We are not uh, cutting our positions aggressively um, in response to this. Obviously, we're doubling down on, uh, as a fund of funds, we don't buy shares directly, but we access the market through underlying fund managers. But we don't have any exposure to deep value in South Africa, and we don't have any exposure to deep value globally. And I think that those are the companies which are our view probably at the greatest risk of an earnings down cycle, irrespective of how low their multiples are. So we're maintaining onto our uh, moderately valued uh, quality opportunities. And we know that once the dust settles and once calm returns to markets and those buyers come back in, once we have more information at hand with regards to the impact on earnings, these companies have just gotten a whole lot more attractive and will re-rate. But I think the important thing as well to note on the flip side of the coin, buying something just because it's cheap is not a sound strategy in this environment particularly carried out quite badly for as long as we're living in this information vacuum and fear and sentiment driving these markets. What do you do on a day like that in a trading room or as a fund manager? Do you sit for the or in front of the Bloomberg screen and uh, groan the whole time or what do you actually do? Yeah, so, I mean, it's obviously very difficult to keep a level head under these environments. That's exactly what you have to do. You can't sit and watch a screen and watch how sharply things are gapping down, particularly as a fund of funds. And we have very little control over that. So it would ultimately be about saying, did we have a sound investment strategy heading into this event? Were we adequately diversified? Do we have multiple fund managers picking up various different components of the market, but not exposing us to highly distressed companies? If you're in highly distressed assets at the moment, even if the valuations are exceptionally attractive, you want to reconsider those kind of positions and do a lot of work around what might happen around that. But it can all get very overwhelming if you get swept up in the emotion and in the hype of all of this and watching your trading screen on a minute-by-minute basis. But it's really about ensuring that you are adequately positioned even prior to these events happening. There's no point trying to react once these events have happened. It's about doing the adequate amount of work to make sure that you're properly diversified before these events happen to prevent prevent events such as this from severely carrying you out. Obviously, you are going to have negative mark-to-market values. The JSE is down, if you include yesterday, the JSE is down close on 25% year-to-date, and global stock markets in dollar terms are down about 25% in the developed markets and around 22-23% in the emerging markets in dollar terms. And then, obviously, if you convert that to rand, it's slightly less because the rand has been exceptionally weak. But even after taking into account rand weakness, those, those losses are still close on 16 or 17 
10% year to date. So obviously you are going to get negative mark-to-market values in that sort of environment. But to us, it's about doubling down on the fact that we are adequately diversified across a number of good quality opportunities and not just buying cheap. And uh, when the dust settles, those will re-rate to the, the valuations and the multiples that are more reasonable. 27.4 is a multi-manager and that means you invest in other funds predominantly. Do you think that reduces the risk in a time like this? So what I do think it does is that it enables you to be able to have greater levels of diversification. And ultimately, in this environment, diversification is going to be critical and diversification is going to be crucial in terms of trying to limit the amount of downside risk. So we can allocate to different fund managers that deploy different investment styles. And obviously, in the current environment, high-quality companies are holding up significantly better than those distressed deep-value companies at a single-strategy asset manager obviously you're picking one of those styles so if that style is out of favor you're going to get carried out extremely badly so as a multi-manager you know we can expose you to multiple investment styles and as a result of that reduce your overall levels of volatility and enhance your risk adjusted return over over long periods of time who are your main investors are they retail or institutional investors we've got a combination of both we run retail portfolios retail unit trust portfolios and um, that uh, compete in the multi-asset low medium and high equity categories and those are predominantly retail investors so guys with discretionary savings or guys with uh, compulsory savings just buying a living annuity or retirement annuity on our underlying product but we've also got a suite of institutional portfolios which form part of member investment choice to various retirement funds around the country so basically you work for a company you've got to contribute to a provident or pension fund every month and you have asset managers that manage that pension fund those would be our institutional clients so we have a, a variety of clients across the both retail and institutional. You have a fund of hedge funds, risk rating one, obviously more geared toward fixed income. Do you have an equity fund of hedge funds? Yes, we do. We've got four fund of hedge fund strategies. And in fact, we've got an equity long short, we've got a multi-strategy, we've got a fixed income and a market neutral. So we do have equity long short, equity fund of hedge funds, both in the long short and market neutral space. And obviously in this sort of environment, your market neutral is going to be doing significantly better than your long only because your long only has a slight market bias or more market net market exposure. And your market neutral funds are kind of more neutral, trying to get the net exposure closer towards zero rather than having a net long bias. And the fund of hedge funds, there's various hedge fund managers, you know, some are doing their job in terms of protecting capital in this environment and some are getting caught out of having too much leverage or being too net long. I think the primary function of your fund of hedge funds must be to protect capital in this environment and certainly you want to allocate to hedge fund managers who have a more kind of capital protection mindset, frame of mind, and that's exactly what they would do to offset your long only equity positions in this environment. It's interesting because John Pierre Star from Pratia Capital Management, he tweeted this morning that uh, his uh, long-short fund only lost around uh, half a percent on Thursday, which of course is a, a lot less than the market yeah. did. Do you think this could be a defining moment for hedge funds in South Africa if it is shown that they actually did protect some value in such a, a market? 
Oh, absolutely. Like you hit the nail 100% on the head there. You know, I think that generally the investment community have become a bit disillusioned with hedge funds post 2016. And we had a couple of big market cracks since then, starting with Brexit and leading into 2018 and even leading into 2019. And generally, these guys found themselves on the wrong side of those market cracks and not protecting investors' capital. And as a result of that, we've seen general outflows from the hedge fund industry. But I think uh, markets like February and market environments like the current one, this is where really hedge fund managers can again make a name for themselves and really protect capital in such a market environment and show that they do offer a very unique and definitive tool within any balance fund and warrant an allocation in terms of protecting capital when markets get really hairy and being a true hedge against your long only equity exposure. So undoubtedly agree with that. You know, I think the hedge fund managers that have managed to produce close and flat returns in this sort of environment are going to be the ones that rise to the top and ultimately going to be the ones that are going to be favored going forward because it, uh, hedge funds should be all about protecting capital, not just vehicles of taking on excessive leverage or gearing up your exposure and, and, and exposing you to excessive market volatility. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you, Nadir. That was Nadir Tokani, is the co-chief investment officer at 274 Investments.